You are now listening to a family live session. This conversation has been recorded as an extension of a previous podcast episode or as a Q&A tackling a topic that has been voted by the listeners. The guests have tuned in live to answer questions from the viewers. If you want to know when the next live Q&A session happens, follow us at Family Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in. So without further ado, Ashley, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. I've had some uh, very nice feedback on our session together. As I've said publicly in the interview, during the interview, it was definitely not what I expected um, in the idea that I didn't really knew what to think of authentic parenting and how does uh, the, you know, uh, concept, uh, what, how does it work and what does it entail? So our discussion was really uh, interesting because it was more or less a deep dive into who we are and what do we want to do now that we've had these questions asked through this interview, uh, meaning uh, how do you authentically shop for yourself and and so on. And um, I've, I've gotten some very nice feedback as well. So I've prepared some questions that the audience has shared with me for, for our interview, but I would also want to encourage everybody who is live streaming now to ask questions for you because Ashley is here with us for 30 minutes, uh, 50 minutes. That's kind of our, our timeline today to answer questions. So please feel free to do so. Ashley, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's morning for us here still. So my energy is peaking and I'm, yeah, I'm ready to go. I know it's evening for you though. So I'm curious how you're feeling. I'm uh, very excited to be honest. I'm always a bit stressed when I have uh, live uh, sessions because I feel that I just want everything to work. And I know that, uh, you know, being uh, online and having to, to live stream from different places uh, can be a challenge. Um, I just had a nice chat before with some friends uh, that I'm doing some other projects with. So, you know, all, all, over, all over the place in a way, but very, very happy that I get to do what I like. So, I also want to thank you again for taking the time to join us again and I want to have this chat one more time. I um, I do have a question that I want to start with that I received and I thought it was really, really nice. Um, in the interview we had, you mentioned the School of Intuition for Children. So that was something that uh, our listeners thought it was a very interesting concept. Um, and then the question I received is about how do we discuss this topic of intuition more specifically how can we as adults train to follow our intuition mm. yeah so similar to the interview i mean i'm not one to give um you know quick fix advice we know that intuition is something that we are all born onto the planet with yet it's so deeply buried within ourselves and our psyches and that's why intuition and the nurturing of it can take some time. You know, it's like going back to the chiropractic clinic and you go back for your first adjustment and it feels really uncomfortable. And then you go again and again, repetitively and through practicing um, being in your true alignment, it becomes natural over a while, but it does require maintenance. So this is the same as intuition. When we look at our children, they're alive, they're playful, they'll ask for what they need. They'll tell you what's on their mind. They won't hesitate based on who you think they are or what they need to acquire from you, you know, in that, in that moment and compromise themselves in doing. So intuition is really going back to that place from which we were all born 
from. And that can be quite a, a long journey for a lot of us, especially because in such a thinking world, which we have in the West here, a lot of us have been, become really oriented towards our minds, right? So we do a lot in our worlds based on what others will perceive of us, based on past pain, past expectations of those around us, saying that you'll be better if, you'll be more loved if, you'll be more seen or heard if. And this is so deeply ingrained in us that a lot of us feel that the life that we're living is actually the true life that we're meant to be in and and living through, learning through. Um, But the reality is most of our behaviors, patterns, um, actions are still based on these early childhood um, experiences. So getting back to that intuition can be quite a journey. And it's really about practicing in any given moment what is really coming from within me and not being streamed from outside of me. Is this coming from somebody's thoughts who sits outside of me? Is it a parent that would have wanted me to do this? Is it a colleague? Is it the world? Is it societal pressure that tells me that if I acquire this, if I achieve this, I'll be happier? Or is it really something that would have me feel nourished, more joyful, more sincere, more um, playful, more alive, more free in the moment? And that's really where we can start is by taking pauses throughout our days and saying, hey, I'm on this treadmill, most likely, you know, in the world that we live in. I'm checking the boxes as I go through my day. But is this really what I want for myself in this moment? And that's how we begin to nurture the intuition. And it can be a long, windy path ahead because the reality is that, you know, sometimes that trauma, those blockages that we're that we're living on with, um, you know, we're we're almost blind to them because we've been living with them for so long. So the next step is really to start calling in support, saying, Hey, this person has been walking this path for a little while. They have the ability to see my blind spots, not from a place of judgment, but from a place of Um, I love you and I see the potential in you and I'm here to offer a helping hand. So next step is really the process, inviting in the support, inviting in those who can help guide us perhaps professionally along this path of revealing more and more of our true selves. And from that, the voice of intuition being, being expressed through us. And then the third part is the play. So that's when we go into the world and we start practicing this new alignment and saying, hey, what if I stepped out into the world in this new way? What would it feel like? So the process is really those three steps again and again and again. The pausing, slowing down, paying attention, asking what you need and want in that moment. The process, asking for support, really diving into the arena and saying, I'm available for this. I want a new life. I really want to make better choices that reflect my true expression. And third, the play, the practice of it over and over and over until it's really in our bodies, you know, integrated into our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. When it comes to um, integrating this in your life and developing it in the relationship with your child, for example, we've had parents that that have asked, um, now that I know this or now that I want to start this path, what should I pay attention to when it comes to the relationship with children? Is there anything that um, I should be aware of or is there anything that we should all um, try to influence in children or not or how how should we go around that? Yeah, so when we think about parenting, if we parent from the mind, 
we will attempt to impact and influence everything around us because we like control. You know, the mind likes knowing, the mind likes um, certainty. And if we really operate from our bodies, from our remembrance of who we are, that we are love, that we are forgiveness, that we are acceptance, we come into this place where we are walking alongside our children and allowing them to go through their natural ebbs and flow of life. And that's something that I really encourage you to do is when you're going through your day, ask yourself if you're coming to the resistance or not, am I putting this on my child? Am I expecting something of them that I actually have an expectation of myself around? Am I doing this for their validation in society to fit in, to belong? And these can be really difficult questions to ask yourselves, especially as parents, because parenting is busy. You know, you've got so much on your plate between cooking meals, cleaning the house, picking up, dropping off. I mean, there's so much that you can just go through the motions of without recognizing that, yeah, you're very well-intentioned. You've showed up to be the best mama that you could possibly be. And there's a whole other world waiting for you when you can sit back and really begin to trust that process. So relating back to the first question, trust comes from nurturing the intuition because the intuition is connected to our higher self, our truer self. So the more we trust, the less we end up actually doing with respect to our child and the more we actually start living simply as ourselves and believing that that's actually the best point of entry in connecting more deeply, in creating a safe environment for that child. So it really comes back to, again, that first point that we touched on is how much are you living as your authentic self? Are you making choices based on the external world or are you making choices based on what's going on here? What's happening in your inner world? So when it comes to children, um, some a couple of signs that they may be shut down, they may be inhibited in their ability to express their true selves to you would be that um, they appear very compliant. So some may look at them and say, hey, you have a child who behaves really well, you know, because this is society's marker of a well-raised child and a good parent is your child is compliant. But we want the opposite effect, especially in the early years. They're challenging status quo. They're asking for what they need, despite how much it may or may not convenience you, that they're speaking in their truth and they're challenging you as a human as well. Well, hey, mama, is that really true for you? Is this really true for me? My body's telling me, no, I can't do this. I can't eat this. So it's really about having them also have the space to show up and challenge and question the things that we've normalized as adults over the decades. You know, because there's a lot that by default we just bring into our lives and assume that it's normal. But the reality is the child is here to continue to have us question our normalcy, our reality as we've created it. And um, a couple other things is if the body, if the child, for example, is having constant stomach pains, you know, they may not be aligned with their intuition because their gut health is compromised from that place. That's where the intuition resides, really, is in the gut and through the third eye. So it's this channel that runs throughout the body and says, am I in check? Are my chakras cleared? Is there something blocking the ability for this information to travel from my gut and be projected out through voice or be projected out through vision, right? So the child may be feeling that congestion in their body. They may be having aches and pains regularly. They may be feeling um, lethargic. They may be feeling down. 
And then the third sign I'd say is that they're, you know, they're really, they're really tantruming a lot. You know, things don't feel easy and in flow for them. They're really being blocked at every corner and they themselves need certainty. So a lot of parents, as we've seen in this new paradigm of parenting, you know, they have very rigid schedules for their children. They have their child eat the same thing each and every day. They have their child sleep at a specific time every day. And our children, as much as they like certainty in their earlier years and orienting themselves in this world, the reality is the child doesn't need that much rigidity in their life when they too are trusting in life. So when they're over-functioning, as we say, or um, needing to know more information than a child typically would, and as a result, they're sort of shutting down and saying, I can't do this or tantruming on the floor. It's usually an indication as well that they're not in a flowing, trusting relationship with you and their intuition as a result. Hmm. I'm thinking just uh, based on my audience, um, the moment you say something like third eye, I lose an audience. Like somebody says, no, I'm out of here. So putting it a bit back to what we know um and i know this is of course a, a paradigm because it is based on um your school of thought versus what we've learned in uh, traditional education is there any way any tools that we can uh use to help ourselves uh digest this information um in a way that um doesn't seem too different than what we know to begin with not that it's not um something to consider follow and so on but it's just hard to digest that this is a possibility right now is there are there any tools or any sort of uh shift to consider when we um when we when we hear these concepts yeah so for me it always comes back to being in the body so really understanding how safe we feel in our bodies because again that's an indication that we're either in it we're able to face what's present for us Are we able to be in the arena with others in relationship or are we constantly avoiding, right? Because this narcissistic behavior that we talk about, the avoidant behavior that we talk about, a lot of it comes about because we don't feel safe in intimate relationship with one another, within connection. So what I ask you is a couple of things that we do on an ongoing basis. So we're breathing at all times. Am I able to take my breath and have it sink right deep down into my belly? Or is my breath shallow and quick and efforting, you know, throughout life? And chances are, if our breath stops there and it's quick and it's not penetrating our body, it means that there's something within sort of our lower, our root extremities that are feeling unsafe. So that's usually one sign because we're all breathing. And most of us, as we go through life, are not conscious of it. You know, I've got something to do. I've got a deadline to meet. I've got, you know, somebody to to, to, to please on the outside of me for some timeline deadline. So we're not often starting with ourselves and creating from that place. We're often starting from somebody else's expectations or demands outside of us and then creating inwards. So that's one of the questions that I would definitely um, ask you is where are you at in relationship to your breath? The second is, um, how are you feeling through the day? Like, how are you actually feeling? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling depressed? Are you feeling like there's no hope or joy or possibility ahead of you? Is there nothing that you're looking forward to? And if you're feeling these things, 
It's perfectly normal. It's perfectly okay, especially through these times. But if you're feeling them without any glimmer of hope, without any glimmer of wanting to trust, of connecting with other people, of reaching out and saying, hey, can I just ask you for some support right now? Can I just have you listen to me? You know, that honest connection that comes about when we're just when we're just humans as we are. You know, if you're not feeling like any of that's in your present in your life right now, that's the point at which I would ask you, like, what's really keeping you from wanting to reach out? Is it the fact that you're actually feeling like there's there's nothing ahead of you, that there's no future? Or is it because you perhaps had some childhood conditioning that keeps you from feeling joy? You know, the parent who was always serious. That's something that we often default to in our adult world today is just be serious, you know, take everything seriously, because that's how how um, defended we've become against life, against this pain that lives within us. So the other question is, yeah, um, if it's not something outside of you in this immediate moment, what happened way back when? And that can be an opportunity to sit down with your journal and just start journaling any thoughts that are coming through you. I'm angry. I'm feeling so charged at this moment. I don't know what to do. I feel so alone. I feel so trapped by my circumstances. I'm so angry about what's happening. You know, through this time, I'm really sad that I can't meet my parents or my friends. I just wish I could offer a helping hand to those I care about. If these thoughts are coming up, then find a medium to express them. As we talked about the process initially, right? You may not be ready to see somebody in your rage because that was really shut down in you. So use a journal, use the pillows, you know, throw them around. This is all very harmless. If we do it with the best of intention, I want to get through this. I want to move this energy. I want to show up for the world. But again, if you can bring somebody into that space with you to see you, to witness you, to honor you in that movement, that's the next best step. So it keeps circling back to what we had already talked about is just get real with your emotions and what you're feeling. Allow them to come to the surface because pushing them down is a whole lot of work. And we don't even know how much work and effort we're putting into keeping the emotions bottled up until you know they've had a chance to rise and be released. Hmm. The moment you mentioned breathing, I guess all the listeners did exactly the same thing, trying to see <laughs> how deep their breath is. But it's definitely something to um, to consider when when we go on our daily lives and we don't listen to our body and the way we react to things. So there's so many situations that I've heard of when people, um, you know, when they are very nervous, they start trembling because of the um, the stress that they have due to the situation and then they have you know panic attacks and and such um very painful experiences that probably could be avoided if you know they you would have a bit more um i mean i'm not any medical practitioner but just practicing mindfulness and getting used to the idea of you know taking deep breaths before an argument if you want to continue in that conversation don't rush into it and let it go and, and breathe and, and stuff like that, right? So, uh, you know, the, everything you're saying sounds very um, true, but mm-hmm. I know it's also hard to implement if you've never done it. So it's for sure a process for some people listening that 
maybe considering, you know, this uh, this path and uh, and the of course the questions that you've asked that now they're asking themselves. Thanks a lot for sharing all of that, uh, all of those uh, insights that that you shared. I was just going to mention something on that yep. note. If you're really unaccustomed to checking in with yourself, which I mean, it's it's absolutely no point of shame or you know guilt at all. A lot of us have been running very busy lives in this modern day world, but perhaps it's as simple as setting a timer. You know, every hour on the hour you're setting a timer. Maybe it's just a silent. Buzz, uh, a buzz or a vibration or something of that sort so it doesn't startle you in the middle of doing something else but in that moment you really just sit and pause for those three minutes of that first half a bit of the hour and you just check in with your body so you may be in a meeting but in those couple of minutes you just decide to really really understand what's happening for you here Am I nervous? Am I craving food you know our mind often goes to food and drink if we're not feeling grounded in our body. Um, am I being distracted by the future? Am I being distracted by what I just said 10 minutes ago? You know, the pinnacle of inauthenticity is living in the past or living in the future. Um, so really understanding what's happening in those moments. And again, having an alarm outside of you is perfectly fine. Just get into, into the rhythm of checking in on yourself and saying, am I okay? Or is there something else that could help me in this moment? Like running out to my backyard and just being with feet planted on the grass for a couple of minutes or being under the sun or doing something to connect to nature and our true nature again, which breath is a portal to. Mm. Thank you for, for sharing that, uh, that tip as well to consider definitely for those of us who may feel like uh, we don't have the time, but we do. So definitely taking that, that space for ourselves. I want to continue by um, sharing a question that you've discussed towards the end of our interview, our podcast interview, and that was the change from um, your corporate life to deciding to um, shift and feel awakened and give the time um, that you want to to your family and children. Um This is the reality of many working parents, the situation that you've uh, shared previously where you were uh, breastfeeding and then looking at the phone and trying to answer an email in the same time. How can we change this setup in companies um, that we work for and how can we share inside the parenting circle a more healthy setup? Yeah, that's a great question. It's another big one um, that's hard to generalize on because as we've discussed during the podcast, Each of our paths are so unique. You know, you can have some women who are comfortable working 8, 10, 12 hours a day. But the truth is that for most women, because we are women here, the two of us, and um, I assume that a lot of the listeners as well are, are women, as you've mentioned, who are sort of straddling this Uh, this voice of their inner self, you know, my body needs rest right now. I really just want to sit back. I want to enjoy life. I want to be present. I want to create from a different place. I don't want to create from my head anymore. I don't want to create from textbooks or learnings that I taken from education based on another's wisdom. There's something that's coming up within me. So the first thing that I want to address here is that after having worked in corporate, after having been a solo entrepreneur, Um, and now working in a community, a communal setup, you know, of, of those who are really inspired to share their gifts. What I did recognize is that the the nine to five sort of workplace or nine to three sort of workplace 
it's very unnatural for us. You know, this has come out of the patriarchal rule that we have children go to school from nine to three or nine to five with after school care and then transition to the workplace working those hours. But as most of you who have worked in corporate environments or something that's a little bit more rigid or scheduled can imagine, there's a lot of time that's wasted in those environments. So sometimes we're showing up to work tired because it's at 9 a.m. and we haven't a chance to breathe and feel our bodies and do more of what we think is natural for us in terms of getting going for the day, you know, doing a bit of yoga, doing a little bit of exercise, moving the body, showing up really available for the day. We might be um, going to the coffee station, you know, in the workplace 10 times a day to refill our coffee cup just to get through it and produce as per these external timelines. We might be in excessive amounts of meetings that could have been discussed in five minutes by email, right? We see this happening all the time with the amount of bureaucracy and red tape, not only in the corporate environment, but anything that's institutionalized. You know, the healthcare systems work the same way, the education system works the same way for teachers. So there's a lot of working environments that don't actually have you show up as your best and therefore contribute, you know, the same amount, if not better quality work in those two or three hours that you could do it in than eight or 10 hours that you would otherwise spend at the office. So that's the first thing to address is, are you actually being productive in the workplace for the number of hours that you're working? And if not, try cutting that in half. Try getting hyper-focused on what you're here to achieve and what will really drive your business, drive your joy, drive your creation, whatever it may be. Even if it's running around outside in nature, maybe that's the best way for you to get ideas. So learn to be unconventional because our conventional systems are not there to nurture our creativity. They're not there to nurture our intuition, which is the most effective way of thinking through to resolution or to a solution. They're not there to have us feel as alive in our bodies as possible. You know, we sit in these chairs and sort of operate in this linear robotic way. But on this side of the world, I mean, lack of productivity is costing the workplace over $350 billion a year. You know, and that's only what they're understanding at this point. But you can imagine for a mother that's away from their child, if they're having to get back to work for eight hours a day, chances are they may feel some anxiety. They may feel some guilt. They may feel some shame. So the idea here is now for employers, for the HR team, if you have one, to really sink in how it is that we can optimize that experience for everybody coming into this workplace? Is it different colors of paint on the wall that don't feel so sterile like we have in hospitals, for example, or in schools? Is it bringing more plants and bringing flowers in to create a more nurturing atmosphere? Is it having more windows in our working space? Is it not having desks, for example? Maybe we move away from that altogether and people sit on carpets or, you know, use their own, um, their own momentum to, to, um, to, uh, to stand up straight or sit, you know, in an erect position while they're working. Maybe it's um, having longer lunch breaks where they can actually go out and take a walk around and clear their head of any emotional charge that they felt from meetings in the morning. So there's many ways to do this. And our compass should always be, what is most natural for that human? Because when they do what's natural, 
they will thrive. Our potential is alive and our potential comes out as humans, just like with children, when they feel emotionally connected, when they feel safe, when they feel heard, when they feel seen. So what do we need to do in a workplace to move in that direction? And if it's cutting our hours in half or by two-fifths or, you know, even more, so be it. You know, let's move in that direction. Let's give everyone the freedom that they crave so they come back much more inspired to the workplace when they do. Mm. What you're sharing, it's a in some cultures, a total shift of status quo and the way things work. So it's it's a very big topic to discuss. And I feel that 2020 has been the year when more people um, spoke about their situation juggling family at home and working from the same place and the fact that there's just no option now so we must integrate the two and we must make it work and i remember how interesting it was to discuss this maybe two years ago when somebody would bring their uh, child in the meeting just because there's no other way to manage if you are at home and now it became the norm so definitely there is a way to integrate these ideas that we thought will never happen to the reality of our times and the way, you know, society progress and, and so on. So um, I think those are very good insights. And I also think it will take a while to digest this in, in, in different cultures and settings, but it's um, I, I really appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts on it. Um, if you will allow me, I would also want to mention an episode that uh, you've, uh, you've shared about um your mother planting seeds of this awakening, so to speak, and thinking within and thinking about your authentic self um, versus building a corporate career where maybe you weren't as happy or you didn't feel really authentic with what you were doing. And um, taking your mother's example, who planted seeds of freedom as a philosophy of life during your upbringing, how would you advise today's parents to do the same for their children? Maybe also in the light of using technology to pass on the legacies of their learned experiences and be there for their children. With all of the with all of the developments we're seeing, how should we tackle this? Um, and how should we plant those seeds of freedom? Yeah, the first would be to slow down. You can't plant seeds of freedom when you are constantly attached to external stimuli. There is no freedom in that because you are operating based on external metrics of um, you know, of who you should be, how you should behave, what you're worth. We've effectively handed our worth over to others. We put that into others' hands. We put that into society's hands, culture's hands, our parents' hands. So it really comes back to you. I mean, modeling is first and foremost because the language of children is energy. In our first seven years of, of life, you know, we're operating from this more feminine wisdom, the grounded, embodied um, trusting wisdom, you know, one that accepts, one that's available for life experiences, one that doesn't have to protect and plant, you know, a, a, a division between you and I. It's communal, right? Women operate in community most naturally. So if these markers of femininity or freedom are not in your life, this is really a chance to ask yourself, why not? What's really holding you hostage? to operating for the outside world in the way that you are. And we have a lot of parents that we help through our programs and they're incredible humans. But the reality is they just feel this, this hook 
you know, into what everyone else is doing. We see somebody else and they appear happy because we've done such a good job of doing that, right? The nice hair, the makeup, the clothes, the fancy cars, the houses. We're such an over-resourced part of the world in the West that we can we can um, showcase success on the outside without being successful on the inside. So it really comes back to that is what does freedom and success look like for you? And what initial steps can you start taking in that direction? So we already talked about slowing down. Maybe you look at your week's calendar and you say, I'm going to scratch that. I'm going to scratch that. I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to order in here instead of cooking my kids another five course organic meal. <laughs> you know, I'm going to ask my kids to help me pack lunches for tomorrow, which I've only started doing in the last couple of weeks and it saved me so much more time and energy and brought so much more fun and playfulness into our day. And what I think is, gosh, Ash, I can't believe you didn't think of that before. I mean, now they're of age to do that as well, but it's just these simple things to take the burden off our shoulders and say, can I ask for help in this moment? Can I ask for, if you don't believe in the guidance of angels or your own guides or loved ones or ancestors, maybe you don't believe in that and that's perfectly okay. Maybe you ask nature to hold you in this particular case. Maybe you ask, um, you know, a, a sister to hold you. My younger sister is a clinical psychologist. So it's very easy for me to reach out and just say, hey, can I just ask for some time here? Like, I really just need to allow this to move through me. She's very used to deep listening. She's very used to showing up for others. And she so graciously does that. My mom the same way. But if we don't have these seeds of freedom running through our lineage, um, then it's really a chance for us to look around and say, who can see me in this moment? Maybe it's a friend who lives 5,000 miles away and you set up a date two weeks in advance and you just say, hey, in this time, can we just connect? Like, I just, I would really appreciate some time with you. And you have no agenda, you have no attachments to outcomes, you trust this friend enough that you don't feel like you are inclined to walk away and judge how it is that you showed up. You're just there and you're available for all of it. So that's really where it starts for me is in modeling that freedom in our behaviors as parents. There's no other way around this. Mm. Ashley, uh, you've been so so uh, great, uh, uh, grateful with with our with your thoughts, and one thing that I wanted to sum up with is: Did you have any reflection after our interview? Meaning, um, maybe you know, looking back at your life, if there is something that you would have wanted to know sooner, what would that be? Mm. Wow, that's a big juicy question. <laughs> um, and I'm going to turn that around, as I often do, not to be rebellious or, you know, to, to not be agreeable, but to offer an invitation to ask yourself is, if you knew all that you wanted to know, you know, they often say, what would your uh, 20-year-old self have told your 5-year-old self or your 50-year-old self told your 20-year-old self? You know, we often hear those questions. And for me, again, going back to the fluidity, the femininity, the intuition, the grace, the ease, the flow, the joy, the acceptance that we're all born out of. If we knew these things, we wouldn't have the opportunity to fall and accept ourselves with compassion and learn what real acceptance is of ourselves and others. 
and to learn how to be soft and tender and gentle. Because I think the one thing that I lived with that I probably look back and say, gosh, you know, had I shook that off sooner, it probably would have allowed me to come into more liberation. I was just meant to hold on to it until the point that I did to really get this message in my bones, you know? But that message would be around how hard we are on ourselves as humans, how difficult, you know, we we see life as being as a result of what we've seen in the outside world and how we adopt that story and that narrative as our own. And when we start sinking into doing the things that we love, you know, the things that bring us joy, maybe it's just getting Spotify as I got a couple of months ago, you know, after being disconnected from music, I was probably the last person on Spotify on the planet, you know, who has a cell phone and the ability to connect to it. But, you know, it was just that ability to hook into my music, the orchestral music, you know, the jazz music, everything that really lights me up that I was disconnected from for so many years. It, it brings that sweetness, you know, it brings that pleasure, it brings that connection into our days, no matter where we're at. Because now what I can do is I can look at my phone and say, I just want to tap into that beautiful symphony of, of music that's on my phone that tells me that the high notes and the low notes, all of it matters, that we can crescendo, that we can come down, that we can be all versions of ourselves and just represent ourselves as we are. Like that's what music represents for me. It's all the things, it's all the diversity, it's all the ebbs, the flows, the falls, the, you know, the heartaches and the blossoming. So find what inspires you and bring that into your life routinely. You know, if it's the alarm every hour, if it's the breath that you feel inspired by, great. But if you feel more inspired by going outside and opening the door and hearing the birds sing, or sitting under the sun for a couple of minutes, go and do that. You get to choose. And when you start making this choice, when you start giving yourself permission to be yourself, you soften. You no longer feel this tension, you know, this battle between who you are for the outside world and what you really want in your heart. And that allows you to soften. It allows you to come back to your own innocence. And realize that you too were born out of love. You were always enough. And love is always around you, as cliche as that sounds. But it's really a function of softening and gentling into that, opening into that and saying, yeah, I'm going to receive it because I know I'm worthy. So that's really been my life path is opening into what's always been here. Mm -hmm. It was just peeling back some of those outer layers, you know, that tell us stop, don't do that. It's not going to prove your worthiness out there. But the yeah. worth is already in here, right? We're already whole. We're already complete. This is a very inspiring chat to have. And I'm very happy that our paths have crossed because I think uh, I learned a lot from you and you have a beautiful energy that you share when you when you talk about and when you express what uh, what you are passionate about. I'm very happy that Raising Humanity has now been shared also with uh, with our community, with the followers and with the listeners from all walks of life, because for sure it's sparkle for someone, for some some of them, some interest to deep dive into this. And for those who didn't, that's okay. It's definitely something to consider if you want. Um, thanks a lot for your time. 
I think uh, our listeners have a lot to uh, dig into. And um, I'm really grateful that we did this together. Thanks again for joining our live stream. And thank you all for joining us tonight. Thank you, friends. See you again. I hope you felt inspired to take charge of your next career move. Remember to review this podcast and share your comments. Thank you.